0: Welcome to The Therapist's Thrival Guide. My name is Miranda Barker. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and I am here with my co-host, Dr. Lucas Bellini. Hello. And today we are talking all about clinical supervision, clinical licensure supervision. It's It is. Mm -hmm. And if you are within the therapy realm, you know that when you first start out as a baby therapist, you have to go through a pretty intense time frame of supervision, you have to kind of work underneath another Mm. seasoned therapist. And so we wanted to take the time to talk a little bit about what the benefit is of clinical supervision, how to get the most out of it, but then kind of speaking more towards the supervisors, how to be a really great clinical supervisor. Mm. So naturally I had to bring in two Two
1: really great (laughs) clinical supervisors.
0: Literally, (laughs) exactly. Um, we have Karna here, Karna, do you want to introduce yourself?
2: Hi, I'm Karna Boynton. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I came into the field, I graduated in 2006. So I came into the field a while ago and I have been providing licensure supervision, I think going on two years now. It'll be two years coming up. I delayed that process for multiple different reasons and I'm glad I'm providing it.
0: And mm-hmm. you also... Are kind of in charge of our supervision program, or how does what does that role look like for you yeah. here at Ellie? Yep. So
2: I am the director of therapist development, and that role right now looks a lot. My my primary focus right now is the clinical supervision program, which it is a mouthful. It's a lot. Um, so essentially, my role is, I keep track of who's providing supervision here at Ellie. I keep track of basically what kind of supervision they are providing, if it's general supervision or if it's more specialized supervision. And then anytime somebody comes into LE unlicensed and they're coming into the outpatient, um, and some in-home, so they're postgraduate, pre-licensed, and They're looking to get their hours through whatever board track they're under, whether it's the LPCC, LMFT, or LACSW. I take a look at essentially kind of who they are, what their track is. I like to know what they're interested in specializing in, although I try to stray away from using the term specialty because we evolve and things change, but I like to know what their interests are. My goal is making sure those matches are compatible and that there's longevity in those matches and that these new individuals coming in get the best supervision they possibly can. Um, So my role is really monitoring all of that, I'm not used to this, (laughs) and making sure that everything is smooth in terms of the matching process, the ongoing supervision process, all the documentation is done that we're within the compliance required by the boards, by the state, and um, yeah moving in that direction i think internship pieces are going to be falling Mm -hmm. into place here too so that will be pre-graduate internship under supervision
0: awesome okay and you're working closely with lucas on this too yeah so you talked Mm -hmm. about
1: kind of the a lot of the administrative components uh yeah we've had a lot of fun just kind of revisioning what Therapist development is going to look like at daily mental health mm-hmm. at large, mm-hmm. you know, and not only making sure that people get their required hours, which is typically eight hours a month to get licensed in two years, mm-hmm. but to make sure that to be intentional about how those eight hours are utilized, you know, mm-hmm. to give them a pretty balanced developmental experience. And so kind of the three key areas that we've identified as being mm-hmm. most seminal uh, to therapist development is practice management self of therapist and then like clinical excellence mm-hmm. and clinical specialty uh, so some of the supervision is going to be about the rigors of building and sustaining a caseload how to retain mm-hmm. clients you know how to make sure that you're moving them through the therapeutic process at an appropriate pace and just the day-to-day realities of managing your own practice and then self a therapist is going to be group based to really Dig into who you are as an individual and how that intersects with your professional work, mm-hmm. you know, to generate greater integration, because uh, that's going to have a lot to do with longevity and sustainability. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, supervision that's very clinically focused and case based, where we're going to be matching people with supervisors that have experience and expertise in the areas you're interested in. So if you're interested in becoming more effective with clinicians or with relation with relationships mm-hmm. and marital counseling, couples counseling will set you up with a specialty supervisor who has a lot mm-hmm. of experience in, mm-hmm. in that domain. Mm-hmm. And you can rotate through various specialties in the time that mm-hmm. you're in the program. So it's been cool being able to just kind of take a step back, examine the deficiencies of supervision as it exists and a lot of agencies uh, dream about mm-hmm. what we wish our experience would have looked mm-hmm. like and bring it to life.
0: Mm-hmm. And then our other guest is Gina Young. She is, this is the second time yeah. that you've been on Thrival. Yes. Now, let me just, let me just give a little bit of an introduction for Gina, because so nice of you. I have talked, I've talked on this podcast before. Specifically, um, we did an episode on, on efficiency and clinical documentation, and I remember my like very first few weeks as a therapist, I, I don't know if you guys remember this but it's like you get slapped in the face with all the DAs you have to write and like just figuring out what on earth you're doing and so for me like coming in in as a new therapist I, I had been doing other clinical work other type of social work beforehand came in and was immediately overwhelmed like was having to write all of these DAs, having to figure out, am I doing the right diagnoses? How am I supposed to be doing this? What information goes into this? And just truly feeling like, did I make a mistake? Like, oh my gosh, this is this has been crazy. Um, and then I got matched with my clinical supervisor. I met with Gina <laughs> and I, I kid you not, I immediately just felt so much better. It was like she came and sat in my office and she was like, all right. And I was like, <gasps> Okay, well, so here's all the things that I need to talk to you about. Like probably nearly in tears, if not already in tears. And Gina just was like, all right, let's just, let's walk through this. Let's do this. And I, I, I kid you not, I mean, best supervisor I have ever had. I was doing supervision mm-hmm. with other clinical supervisors mm-hmm. before. <laughs> yeah. That's so kind of you to and say. I'm not joking. It was like, I, I needed you and you... You were great, and so um, she she brought me through to the finish line of my LICSW, and um, yeah, so I just... That's so sweet. We ha- I had to have you on here for the clinical mm-hmm. supervision piece because you you made me into such a great therapist, Gina. Oh, yeah.
3: thanks. You were already there, and <laughs> uh, you're right. I mean, especially for an office, I remember mm-hmm. you telling me you had 22 DAs to do, Mm-hmm. was like, let's just take it one at a time. Mm -hmm. It's really, really intense. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm so glad that we got to meet each other too. And you were right down the hall from me too, which was really nice. So,
0: yeah. So let's dive in. I know that we talked a little bit about kind of some of the main tenets of the clinical supervision program. Um, let's talk about kind of what makes a good clinical supervisor. What are some important attributes important things to be keeping in mind and maybe if you're listening to this episode and kind of thinking should i should i become a board approved supervisor like what what's in it for me what sounds good let's Mm -hmm. kind of start there Mm
2: -hmm. yeah i can i can speak to that i i feel like i move into kind of monologue type storytelling so cut me off if i'm (laughs) going to to beyond the question. It's
1: literally what podcasts are for.
2: <laughs> See, I've never done this. Yeah, this is what
3: it's made for. Yep.
2: Awesome. Okay, here we go. Five hours later. Um, I had really good supervisory experiences. I can go back and rate right from my internship to practicum to pre licensed, more pre licensed, more pre licensed, remember every single person that supervised me. And what has been amazing for me as a clinician is oftentimes those supervisors will make their way into my therapy and so I'll sit back with a client and I'll get stuck on something and I'll go okay what would Roger do in this situation what would Margaret do in this situation what would Kathy do right and then I have the answer and to me that's excellent supervision where you can get 10, 15, almost 20 years down the line and you can still pull in wisdom from a supervisor you had in the past. So that's been my experience. So it's great to hear what a wonderful supervisor, because I can, I see the people on your list already in my head. The spreadsheet is in my head Yep. and I'm like, those lucky ducks.
3: <laughs> you know? And a bunch of them just passed their tests too. Yeah. And I'm yeah. just so excited to see them launch and like, oh. I'm really, really happy for them. Too,
2: that, so. that, you, that's another one is yeah. the first supervisee I had that launched. I was almost more excited than when I came, got licensed yeah. and finished all that which is a long process. Yeah. And and part of me sits back and go, "Why did I wait so long to take the course? Why did I put that off?" But everything in its time. I f- I f- I provide very um not super specialized in trauma, but a lot of my uh, supervision is trauma-informed, and I had to go through the things to become a, a what I hope is a well-versed trauma provider before providing that kind of supervision. Um so everything in its time, but if I could go back, I think I would have taken the supervision course earlier, maybe got my feet wet a little bit more in terms of supervision because I love it so much. I love providing that. It's it's not, you, to me, I went into it going, this is going to be great. I'm just going to sit with some other professionals. I'm just going to help guide them. Uh, no. <laughs> There's much more to it than that, but it's mm-hmm. all super rewarding and yeah, really great supervision experience and really wanting to, that, mm-hmm. to extend that out to those just coming into the field. And I thought to myself, too, because here we go, Karna's on a monologue, of, you know, and, and this is me aging myself. I'm looking at maybe another 20 years in the field here before I'm, I'm moving towards retirement. And I thought to myself, trauma-informed is necessity, Everybody coming in has an element of something bad that's happened to them that has left some kind of residue in their life moving forward. And so instead of just providing trauma work and then 20 years, peace out. Why don't I help train in the next generation of trauma providers? Mm -hmm. That's what drove me.
1: Yeah. It's like when you, when you invest in a therapist development and you give them the optimal supervisor experience, much Mm -hmm. of like what Miranda explained in her experience working with Gina. So we get into this profession because we ultimately want to help people. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we want to improve the quality of people's lives. You can do that, of course, directly with your own clients, you know, but when you invest in the development of other therapists, that's an opportunity to touch on every client that therapist will ever see. Mm-hmm. And when you invest yep. in the mm-hmm. development of a growing number of emerging clinicians through supervision, It's like you're able to have such a far more widespread impact on the quality of therapeutic work that consumers get to experience, Mm -hmm. which plays a huge part in sustaining this industry and profession at large. You know, like if you're somebody who truly cares about the profession of mental health and you see some deficiencies and you feel compelled to play a part in improving it, investing in becoming a quality supervisor is an excellent way to do that.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lucas, you're talking about legacy, Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah. and that's why I became one, is because I had a good, I had some good, I had some bad, Mm -hmm. and I really wanted people to avoid having the bad. Mm -hmm. Um, Although it was instrumental in getting me to where I was, I'd like people to avoid having the bad. So for Mm -hmm. me, and Karna's right, I can remember all of my supervisors, and the good and the bad, Mm -hmm. um, and they all shaped me into the supervisor I am. And... Lucas, you're absolutely right. I think about all of the staff that I supervise right now and all the people that they interact with and then all the people that they interact with. And it's the mm-hmm. way for me to lay, like, leave the biggest footprint. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, so Gina, like, what's a good supervisor? What's a bad supervisor? Mm-hmm. You don't need to call names out. No, I was, <laughs> I was thinking
3: of attributes. Um, a good supervisor is someone who knows themselves really well. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that is honestly number one for me um, so that their own stuff doesn't get in the way. Um, and somebody who's a, like a good clinician, a good clinician and a good supervisor are not the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a different skill set. And um, something that I think we've talked about here before, too, is therapy is so much about the relationship, right the success of the relationship between the therapist and the client it's the same for supervisor and supervisee right Mm -hmm. if we're going to make any change or learn from one another it's about being open and available and trusting Mm -hmm. right and we can't do that if we don't have somebody who doesn't know themselves really well um and so i think that for me is the foundation um and the self-reflection piece that's Mm -hmm. really huge and then from there the open communication is really big and being a good communicator, being willing to say hard stuff. I think 80% of our job as therapists is saying hard stuff Mm -hmm. um, and naming hard things. And we have to start in our clinical relationships, right? Um, And and with our supervisors and our supervisees. So, Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: So bad attributes.
3: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, mm, Oversharers, like
0: Mm -hmm. people who... Oh, like make it about themselves? Yes, make
3: Mm -hmm. it about themselves Mm -hmm. or um, have to tell their own story. because mm-hmm. we can just listen. I think that's one. Mm-hmm. Um, people who struggle with their own practice management. Like Lucas yeah. was yeah, talking about. Yeah. If you're not doing the job, you're not teaching them how mm-hmm. to do it either, right? Mm-hmm. So I, people who are doing you know, good documentation and have a clinical voice on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, because that, that transfers into the, into the work that you're doing when you're talking about it, too. Mm-hmm. And so DAs are hugely important to me. They're a story, a client's story. And so that's something that I emphasize and talk about as well is... What does your clinical voice sound like? It's a snapshot in time for this client and it needs to be a good representation of what they're going through, right? Um, So I think somebody who really has paperwork down Mm -hmm. um, and has a clear understanding of what they're doing and the balance, I think that's huge as a supervisor. How am I going to teach anyone about balance, Mm -hmm. work-life you know, any of that if I don't myself have it mm-hmm. and also share when I'm struggling with it, too, because yeah. I'm not yeah. always 100 yeah. percent. Right. Sure. And so I think showing vulnerability when it's a teachable moment yeah. is really the most important. I'm mm. not going to tell you my whole life story. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, that's really mine. But in the moments where I can use it for growth mm-hmm. and for helping other people understand um, where they could share with the client and, and move the relationship forward or impart some learning, let's do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you're modeling that. Right, 100%. Yeah, you're embodying
1: it. 100%, yeah. And you Absolutely. create an energy in that. You know, it's Totally. Like mm-hmm. What I took away from what Barker was communicating about her experience, especially that one day when he walked in, <laughs> It's like, you walked into a space where somebody was composed, they were calm, mm-hmm. they were managing their space, <laughs> you know, and it's like, you needed mm-hmm. to enter that space of tranquility mm-hmm. because that communicated so much that mm-hmm. can, co- first and foremost, it's like, they're here to, they can be present with me right now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not competing with anything else that they have going on. Mm-hmm. And two, it's like, it's possible for me to get there. You know, mm-hmm. it's possible for me to reach a place of being yeah. composed and having your own office and caseload in order <laughs> because when you walk into a supervisor is, you know, and I've had this experience with supervisors. It's like I walk into the office, it's like paperwork everywhere. Oh, yeah. Their yeah. office is an absolute mess. They're yeah. very clearly stressed mm-hmm. and yeah. backed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now all of a sudden it's like, one, they're not here for me. No. Yeah. And two, it's like, is this going to be the rest of my life? <laughs> like, is there no mm-hmm. overcoming this that's constant such feeling of such a being overwhelmed with paperwork? Because mm-hmm. that's what it feels like when you're first starting out. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so there's so much communicated in those things. Mm-hmm. And I would say too, like another Like when you talk about legacy, legacy is important. It's also dangerous, depending Mm -hmm. upon how you look at it. Mm -hmm. You know, and I would say a big the supervisors that I struggled with. And again, learn from your bad supervision, like everyone has Mm -hmm. bad supervision and Mm -hmm. there's value in that if you know how to identify it as bad supervision. And that's Mm -hmm. why it's so essential to have really good supervision as a reference Mm -hmm. point. Yep. Um, But When you approach supervision from a perspective of legacy, that is, I need all of my supervisees to figure out how to be more like me, Mm -hmm. that's problematic. Mm -hmm. It's like the legacy you want to leave is you helped all of your supervisees figure out how to become themselves.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You
1: know, and that that can be a tricky task, you know, because mm-hmm. you need to have humility mm-hmm. and you need to be o- not only OK with the fact that they might be going in different directions from where you settled as a clinician, mm-hmm. but that excites you. You know, it's like you nurture that, you mm-hmm. support that and you give them all the permission and space they need to fully become who they're meant to be as a therapist.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you, too. So how do you balance like client caseload versus um, supervisee caseload? Like, do you have a a max number of supervisees that you see during the week, max number of clients? Like, how is that – how do you kind of balance that?
2: I think that was one of the things that helped me um, move into providing supervision and going back to when I started – when I decided to take the course and – realizing I was getting burnt out on Mm -hmm. my caseload and um, looking at, I wanted to remain in the field. I didn't want to retire from the field and end up doing something else, which is fine, but I didn't want that for Mm -hmm. myself. And burnout can get you there. And so I was like, okay, what am I gonna do here to balance things out? I'm fortunate enough that I don't need insurance through my job. So I was able to reduce my client hours and up supervision Mm. to compensate financially Mm -hmm. for those pieces. So nothing changed financially in our budget. Um, So that's how I was able to do it. I was able to kind of cut back on the client hours. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, looking again, I'm thinking of all the individuals here that are providing supervision. A big way I notice people are balancing that out is by providing group supervision. So it's more bang for, I guess, for lack of a better term, more bang for your buck. So you can provide two hours of supervision to up to six individuals for two hours. And so you are providing a lot of supervision to a large portion of people. And um, it isn't really taxing your time commitment. Some people are able to cut back their hours, go down to Mm half-time or maybe part-time, and then they'll they'll pull in supervision. So that's how I was able to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Supervision also, even though it comes with its own challenges, you know, you're not just working with one individual. Well, even in therapy, you're not really just working with Mm -hmm. one individual, you know, we know that systemically. But you're working with your supervisee and through your supervisor, you're working with their client. And mm-hmm. if you look at it systemically, you're also working with their system. Mm-hmm. And so it's different in that it's not like straight therapy. So you have a little bit, it, I guess the, how I want to say it is there's a different vibe. Mm -hmm. to supervision than there is straight therapy and the paperwork's a little different too i mean you're really not having to do da's (laughs) on your (laughs) supervisors or anything Mm -hmm. like that don't my plans um so yeah it it helped me to have supervision tie in Mm -hmm. as a balance in terms of shaking things up and diversifying my career
0: yeah and like Mm -hmm. keeping you from getting burnt out with clients Mm -hmm. and no that makes a lot of sense what about you gina I work mostly with trauma clients, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Karnas
3: right, like you can't, you can have too many of those. Mm-hmm. So I do think breaking it up is definitely a part of it for me, but I've always been, a. there's a huge part of me that is always going to be a curious learner. Mm-hmm. And the best way I learn is through other people's mm-hmm. experiences. Um, I love that part of it. And and the teacher part of me too, that mm-hmm. really loves to share what I've learned and then I want to hear about what they've learned. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it. It, prov- it just gives me a more holistic experience as a therapist to come back around. And I, I know it's very cliche, but I'm learning just as much mm-hmm. from my supervisees mm-hmm. about what they're out there doing and trying. And when it lands flat, I'm taking that into consideration and I'm going to try it a little bit differently, right? Mm-hmm. And so putting all of that out there into the world, I get that back and lots of different ways, um, including being, sharing in their successes and being so excited for them Mm -hmm. and happy for whatever the future holds for them. Um, and knowing that I've helped equip them with the tools that they need to move Mm -hmm. forward. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the curious teacher part of me was never, it's, I've got to figure out something for it all the time. And supervision has really, Mm -hmm. really, really helped me fill that. Um, Mm -hmm. which makes me feel really balanced, um, in the care I'm providing for everybody. So. There's
2: a vibrancy to it too. Yeah, absolutely. Like an absolute vibrancy that comes with meeting with my supervisees that I don't, Yeah, that isn't the same as meeting mm-hmm. with clients. And I, I remember when I was uh, intern and I was working at an outpatient clinic in um, Deland, Florida, at a place called the house next door. Buckets, this goes back. Mm-hmm. And her name was Anne. And Anne always loved to sit with us interns. She always made time to sit with us interns. Mm -hmm. And she, you know, where interns can sometimes feel like they're low on the totem pole or, you know, they're not really appreciated. I didn't necessarily feel that way. I think that's just a mindset that sometimes happens when you're, you know, you're working your way up in the field. And Anne always made us feel important, and that we brought to the table. Information that was just as much as her experience just as important as her experience and she always said I Learned so much Mm -hmm. from you interns because your education is so different than what I got. Yeah, I get educated from you Right, so what I want to know what you're learning Yeah. and I want to look that up and oh, it was great and I feel that with my uh, supervisees too, it's like wait, what was that What was that technique? Mm -hmm. What was that term? I've never heard that. Tell me more about that. And then going and doing my own research and Mm -hmm. looking and and being like, oh, God, just learned Mm -hmm.
0: something so cool. Yeah. Out of curiosity, um, how many clients do you both see per week versus the supervisees? Well, I run a group. Oh, right. Yep so that like
3: um said, gives me like a mm-hmm. bigger impact for mm-hmm. 4 hours a week and i love the group vibe. i don't have a lot of group four, i don't run any group 4 hours groups. a week No, four hours a month. So sorry. I'm like, wait a second. I've got more for you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) If if
3: you want. No, no, no. I love them all learning from each other too and making their own relationships within the group. Yeah. And them all sharing like little parts of themselves and their interests Mm -hmm. to, you know, they're all giving each other a little bit of something. So I really love that group. And I just don't do enough group work. So Mm -hmm. that's really where. And then I supervise like one person outside of that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. What about you, Karna?
2: Um, right now, I provide individual to three supervisees. I'm looking at taking on a couple more, mm. and I run four hours of group a month Okay. with six individuals, so I'm providing six, seven, eight, nine mm-hmm. people with supervision right now, nice. give or take, because yeah. I think one I see individually, and she's in my group. Mm, so sure. So eight. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then my caseload is lower because of my position, yep. My, yep. you know, I'm working on some other things. So I get, I, I get the privilege of having a balance that I'm actually legitimately needing mm-hmm. right now. and doing
3: stuff like this helps too. You gotta Absolutely. diversify. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I see yeah. like 10 to 15 clients a week.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yep. That makes yeah. sense. Like yep. every
3: other week looks a little bit different, but yeah, 10 to 15. And you're everything. a supervisor in our community base In community base. So I have 12 people that I staff that I supervise. Yes. And then clinical supervision is outside of that. So I love that I can be, it's why I'm, one of the main reasons why I'm here is because I can just, you know, diversify my professional portfolio. I don't
0: think we talk about how important that is for therapists. I came here for that
3: reason, right? Like I would have stayed at other places, but they were only going to let you be a supervisor. You could not see clients. And I was like, oh man. If I'm not doing the work while mm-hmm. I'm talking about the work, mm-hmm. then I don't I don't want to do that. Yeah, I really yeah. think you're missing out. I don't think you get the whole package unless you're doing it all together. Mm-hmm. And Ellie really offered this really mm-hmm. great opportunity mm-hmm. to do half and half. Mm-hmm. And then now to even do more clinical supervision. Yeah. So for me, it's it's a whole package that I can't really get in, in a lot of other places. That so. makes sense. Yeah.
1: And if you're. Like if you're a therapist in your golden years who is just so revered and you have that reputation, mm-hmm. it's like you can absolutely get away with providing high-quality supervision while being inactive with clients. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, but mm-hmm. like when you're in an agency setting mm-hmm. you know, and you still got vitality to see clients, mm-hmm. it's, it sends a very different message to supervisees when you know, you're just not seeing clients yeah. mm-hmm. because your job doesn't let you. Mm-hmm. you know like that's problematic well
0: that's kind of like i mean even when i was in graduate school or like when i was in undergrad how much more valuable having professors that were in the field yeah. was yeah. like because yeah. they know what's going on they're the actually... adjunct
3: professors were always my favorite absolutely. absolutely i was like you're out here monday through friday doing yeah. this and then you're coming here mm-hmm. and talking about what you just mm-hmm. learned i'm in like yeah. that's yeah. the same that's the exact same for me too yeah. like if you're not out in the field doing the work then I don't want to really learn from you no. as much. So this really allows that opportunity. Like, I'm still, I just got trained in CPP. I have no idea what I'm doing in CPP. Wait, what's but, CPP? Uh, Child me. Parent Psychotherapy. Oh, yeah. And so, I are you trained in it too?
2: I No, I was making a really bad 90s oh. song <laughs> reference that really fell flat. Because,
3: like, what's that? Did I sound with OPP. Yeah, got you know it. me. That was okay. great, Karna. I'm sorry, I missed it. That,
1: that, that's why Karna got her job.
3: This is, this is why I'm <laughs> here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right.
2: Your
1: hair and your background Yeah, right. The taste awesome. In music. awesome. 90s jokes. For crying
2: got it. out loud. 90s, 80s, 90s hip hop. Here we go. Yeah, so
3: I am still I am still <laughs> learning my new models. And I always want to be a learner, right? So I want my supervisees to know too. Like I'm out here doing the same stuff, just in different levels so yeah
2: I uh, was told back when my kids were in hockey and they're not anymore just for various reasons um, and I was sitting with another I think he was the grandpa we worked at canvas health as an LADC and we were chit-chatting so like and, crisis
0: response sort of thing
2: yeah he was the drug alcohol counselor, okay. one of the drug alcohol counselors there and he had said that he was preparing for retirement and he had said that the average career lifespan in the mental health is about 10 to 15 years. Hmm. And talking about diversifying, because this could be a whole nother podcast, yeah. um, is I really started to feel that, mm-hmm. you know, going back a year ago, two years ago, I really started to feel like, and again, trauma, is, am I gonna make it? Like, mm-hmm. it, is this the end? Is am I gonna make it here to retirement? Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know that I want to do anything else. Although, you know, barista was sounding really good at that time. <laughs> Free coffee <laughs> 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 could be the gym teacher. I of, was the history teacher, gym teacher on Beavis and Butthead. to stop coffee. <laughs> Another <laughs> reference
1: over Barker's head. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
2: I'm loving this. Oh, I got so many more. Um, And, uh, yeah, and I – doing the supervision really helped. And then, again, like, my role is in the therapist development program. It's like, oh, okay, and I'm offering trainings now, and this is really where it's at because the burnout Mm -hmm. rate is so high. Mm -hmm. And – to be able to switch it up and do other things really, really helps. And I felt like supervision was the catalyst for me. I love it. For getting there. I just love it.
0: So um, I'm curious how, I wanna just like dive into some, some like tips or some ideas that people can have for, um, like if they're supervisors. So I'm curious on a couple of different things, like wondering um, how you like approach or structure your supervision sessions, like if there's a certain way, like if you bring things or you expect your, mm-hmm. your supervisees to bring things and then just general like tips or ideas that, that you might have for people who are maybe new supervisors um, or if they're, yeah, if they're trying to mm-hmm. kind of figure out how to do supervision.
3: This is a multi-part question. It is. Mm-hmm. Let me give you the A, B, and C <laughs> of it. Right. <laughs> okay. So I think when you and I first met, I also think the first meeting, I'm going to follow whatever you're putting down, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Mm -hmm. I have a set agenda in my mind. But if you're coming in and you were coming in with a lot of stress. Coming in hot. You're coming in hot. (laughs) Um, And it was like, okay, never mind. Like, it's just about the space. Mm -hmm. And like... Helping her make a plan. Mm-hmm. And then we got to figure out, like, hey, you bring an agenda. Mm-hmm. Like, it's mm-hmm. on you, right? Well, and mm-hmm. that was
0: how my previous clinical right. supervisors were, right. too. They were like, we don't bring an agenda, you bring it. Yes. Stuff.
3: And to me, it's also like, tell me what's been good supervision, mm-hmm. tell me what hasn't mm-hmm. been good supervision. Let me, same with a client, tell me what's been a good therapist, mm-hmm. not a good therapist, like what's a good fit for you? So that we can try to connect and start to like find the same page to be on. Um, but yeah, supervisees need to come in with an agenda. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really, really important. Cause I'm there, it's your time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I was gonna speak to that too. It's so important. I check my phones, I turn everything off mm-hmm. so that I can be present when I'm with yeah. my supervisee because that hour is yours, right? And I want them to feel like I'm not worried about anything else. I'm not checking my phone or doing Mm -hmm. this other stuff. Like I'm present for you. And I think that's really, really important. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's my first thing is make sure you have the time to do this, Mm -hmm. you know? And Mm -hmm. and the energy as well, Mm -hmm. right? To like answer questions and to ask, you know, to read about diagnoses and to do some of this learning, right, Mm -hmm. and to be able to yourself Make time to learn about some things that your intern or your supervisee has asked you about. and Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, my God, I have no idea. Mm
1: -hmm. Let me
3: go ask some people and I'm going to come back Mm -hmm. to you with some of the stuff. So truly, I think having the emotional energy and the work time available to you to do it is is really key as well. Mm -hmm. So,
2: yeah, that rapport, like right away when you ask that question, I'm like, build that rapport and your supervisees are going to bring to you what they can trust you with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when you want your supervisee to tell you the the. Whatever you might consider to be really edging that ethical thing, if you want them to be honest with you right up front that something's going down and it could be an ethical issue or is an ethical issue, you want that trust and Mm -hmm. Mm rapport in existence. And I don't. Have you asked, like, what's, do you, what's the agenda? Do you bring things in? I really like to prioritize case consultation. I want them to have the space to develop those therapeutic skills. Mm-hmm. Um, it also allows me to know where their interests are. So if it's somebody that's interested in nutrition and tying nutrition in, which I don't have any experience in at all, Then I wanna sit there with them and go, okay, how do we get you better trained in this? Mm -hmm. What are our options for you so that you can progress in this way? Or if it's trauma and they're like, well, I've got these kinds of clients and this is usually what I'm what what my brain goes to. I'm like, Oh, you you're kind of falling into the TFCBT realm. Let's say, figure out how we can get you better trained in that. And so I really value the case consultative pieces. I do like bringing like in group supervision. I know some of our super supervisors are supers. I mean they really are. Um, what they they like to utilize group supervision for topic discussion. Sure. I like that too. Like a
0: book. Yeah, yep, I, yep, totally. Yep. totally yep. Yeah.
2: I really like that. I like it when mm-hmm. I hear that happening and also balancing that out with who has cases right. and you know, making sure that there's space for the cases. Um, so that's usually how I I kind of go with.
3: Yeah, and right off of what Karna's is saying, figuring out what your supervisee is interested in, bringing them into your network is huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when mm-hmm. you're talking about nutrition, I'm going to send you to Sarah. Like yeah. She yep. she knows all about that. Or somebody that is EMDR trained or you want to mm-hmm. know more, I'm going to tell you to go and talk to them. It's also about who you know, right? And who you can put people in contact with. I mm-hmm. think that's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and Because I, I can't be an expert on everything and I don't want to be an expert mm-hmm. on everything. But I want you to know the people that I know that mm-hmm. are really good at that. And I think those connections are key, um, not only to help them learn more, but for us to feel connected and keep us afloat, right, is knowing that there are other people out there that we can learn from um, if we want to really dive into a particular subject. Mm -hmm. And
2: you had stated, just that that brings to mind when you had said, make sure you have time for this, is building your own network, too, and making Mm -hmm. sure you have a Rolodex.
3: (laughs) I know know what that You are really aging. (laughs)
1: You're not even that old.
3: You're not. Like that, you are old.
1: You never had a Rolodex.
3: You never. I totally had oh, a Rolodex. BS. I had my dad's Rolodex. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I have my own mental Rolodex. It's in my phone. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, contacts list. It's my contact
2: list. <laughs> oh, it's the one where you put, you got to bring the little tab down to the... Did you ever see the ones where you bring the little tab oh, down yes. to the initial, oh, like yes. T, and then it opens, and it's like Thomas mm-hmm. and tailgate. Yeah. And then you call
1: them on your you know. rotary dial.
2: Yeah, 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 my yes. grandma's now you just send dad. a
1: telegram.
2: I still can remember how that phone sounds hitting the, you know, it's like got that little bounce in there rock that little thing yeah so
1: yeah. so unsatisfying hanging up on somebody on a cell phone right yeah. it's just um, not uh, yeah. i would say the just flip
2: a, phones are so like
1: wow, you can only tap glass so hard yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so i love that we entered into the realm of clinical supervision yeah. you know glad mm-hmm. we did it with the two of you definitely a lot more to explore i think a big one that stands out to me that will be a good continuation of this series is really digging into the fine line between what distinguishes a therapist-client relationship between a supervisor-supervisor yeah. yeah. uh, relationship, because yeah. mm-hmm. there are a lot of similarities, a lot of mm-hmm. parallel processes, but absolutely mm-hmm. distinctions. Yeah, you know, and so that's that's a tricky one that you figure out along the way, and so I think that'll be a good continuation yeah we'll have you guys really back
0: yeah awesome well thank you both so much for joining that's it yeah, yeah well i know I gina has five to, more I have hours go. <laughs> go. like we got four more hours on my five hour monologue what is happening i know here? gina has gina has to go off <laughs> to, to a clinical supervise supervisor someone yeah. oh and time we
1: too. have to model timeliness yep yeah that's oh true. yeah that's right yeah, yeah. So. yeah
2: modeling Appropriate behavior. There you go. Well, thank you both yeah. so
0: much, and <laughs> we'll definitely do a part two. Yeah, thank awesome. you. Absolutely. Yeah. The Therapist Thrival Guide is one of many creative productions from Ellie Mental Health. Ellie is an outpatient mental health clinic that began in St. Paul, Minnesota, and has continued to expand to over 20 clinics in Minnesota and a growing number of franchisees across the country. We'll be opening over 500 locations and communities nationwide in the near future. Thanks for listening to The Therapist Thrival Guide, a podcast produced by Ellie Mental Health. Please be sure to subscribe and review this podcast on your favorite platform. I'm Miranda Barker, executive producer, Jesse Stenbroten is the technical director, and Julia Galloway is our incredible audio engineer. Our production team also includes Lucas Mooney and 2Fam. Special thanks to our incredible guests that join each week, and we'll see you next week.